Hi, I'm Greg Gilbert. Thank you for listening to Reclamation Worship. Jason Allen, and I am the host here at Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. This is your anti-idolatry elixir. So what do I mean by that? Well, the goal here at Reclamation Worship is to help us to think about uh, this idea of worship, this all-encompassing idea of worship. Paul says in Romans 12, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is to encompass all of life. And so we were designed to worship. We are really good at worshiping. The problem for most of us, uh, especially me, is that oftentimes our worship, my worship is misdirected. You see, God is the right recipient of all of our worship. And uh, so oftentimes we direct our worship to other things. And so I want to help the church think about uh, our lives of worship. And so today we're going to be thinking about worship as evangelism or worship through evangelism. And to help us think through that, uh, we're going to hear from Greg Gilbert. Greg Gilbert is the senior pastor at Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Greg wrote a book few years ago called What is the Gospel? And this book has helped me um, think about the gospel in a way that I hadn't really uh, thought of it before. And so it's it's been very helpful to me. It's framed the conversation uh, for me in a way that it makes it easier to talk to people about the gospel. And so uh, I thought this would be a natural thing to bring him on and to help us to think about uh, the gospel And so I will link to what is the gospel at reclamationworship.com. That is uh, this podcast website. And so if you visit reclamationworship.com, you will see a link to Greg's book. And while I'm talking about links, let me also tell you about a a way that you can support this podcast uh, to no cost, uh, at no cost to you. And so um, the way you do that is by going to reclamationworship.com. On the right-hand side, you will see a link to Amazon. And if you click on that link, uh, it's a little little graphic, a little icon. If you click on that box, it will take you to your normal Amazon landing page. And so uh, what do you do? Well, you just order all the stuff from Amazon that you normally would. Uh, But the only difference is I get a small microscopic uh, percentage of your total order uh, to help offset the cost of doing this podcast and maintaining the website. And so again, there's absolutely no extra cost to you. You're not billed for uh, anything. Uh, The items that you buy on Amazon don't cost more if you follow that link. And so um, the the folks at Amazon are just uh, wanting to help folks like me out who have podcasts, who have websites, who have blogs. And so this is an easy way for you to do that. So I would encourage you to, again, head on over to reclamationworship.com. And on the right-hand side, just click through uh, by using that link. And again, it will take you to your normal Amazon landing page. All right, so enough 
business talk. Let's get on over to the interview. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Good. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for joining me. So, Greg, I'd like to talk with you about evangelism as worship. I'd like for us to spend a few minutes talking about how we worship God through sharing the good news of Jesus with others. So you say in your book, what is the gospel that an emaciated gospel leads to emaciated worship. Could you tell us what an emaciated gospel looks like? Yeah. I, I, the, uh, the, the biblical gospel, you know, is a, is a thick sort of strong thing. It, it challenges us on every level as, uh, as human beings, what, what we are and, challenges us on our what our relationship to God is it challenges us on on how uh, how salvation from sin comes to us um, and so an emaciated or, or weak gospel would be one that 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 pulls back from what the Bible actually says is the truth about us and about God and about Jesus and about our sin and about salvation um, and that can happen at every point right so you know if uh, if your understanding of sin is weak if you think of it as as just uh, you know, little mistakes that we make or little white lies or, you know, just, just a sort of missing the mark when we're trying really, really hard to do what God says. Or, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you have a weak understanding of what Jesus did to save us, if you think he was just an example uh, morally or ethically, um, at, at any point uh, that you make the gospel something weaker than what it is, I think you've got a weakened or emaciated gospel. Mm. Very good. And so how then does that... Um present to us a weakened or emaciated worship? Well, if you understand yourself to be a sinner um, in the biblical sense of that term, a rebel against God, and then if you understand yourself to be uh, saved, justified, and you know, even more adopted into God's family uh, uh, because of the work of, of Jesus Christ, that living, dying, and rising in your place, that, that's going to fire worship in your, in your heart because uh, it, it's so unexpected and it's so unmerited. Uh, you just you just find yourself a, a former rebel of God, dead in your trespasses and sins. All of a sudden, you know, crowned with glory and honor and seated with Jesus in the heavenlies and a, a child of God. It's just amazing, and it, it causes you to worship. Um, if your understanding of the gospel is something weaker than that, though, you know that you've just managed to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, or you've managed to follow Jesus in His ethical example, and you've manage just barely to sort of drag yourself over the line of, of earning God's favor, that's not going to create worship in your heart. That's going to create uh, a, a sort of, you know, weak, but still very nasty sense of self-congratulation that you pulled yourself over the finish line. Right. So what is evangelism and, and why is it so difficult for us to do? Well, evangelism is just, you know, definitionally, it's, it's speaking the good news about Jesus. Um, you know, the Greek word behind Evangelism is euangelion, which just is, it's two words, right? Stuck together. Eu in Greek means good and angel means herald or, uh, you know, the thing which a herald says. So it's good news. And so evangelism then is speaking the good news about, about Jesus. Um, why is it so hard for us to do it? I think there are just a ton of reasons for that. Uh, uh, one of the most important, I think, is uh, just that we we're afraid to do it, right? I mean, we live in a, a culture that is in, increasingly um, anti-Jesus and anti-Christian, and so uh, if you speak the good news about Jesus, uh, you are often going to run into a buzzsaw of opposition, and that is just a difficult thing for people to to deal with. Um, I think our default, you know, is to small talk. I think our our default is to have um, 
uh, very sort of conflictless relationships with people. Uh, that's what we want. And so uh, it's very hard for us to make a move to tell someone about Jesus when we're quite sure that the initial response to that is going to be opposition. That's, right. that's just hard for us to do. It is. Yeah. So when I, I think about this, I think of two silos. Maybe you have one silo of um, a lack of clarity on the message itself. Um, and so maybe there's fear and trepidation about not being able to go and talk with someone because we just aren't quite sure that we have it down straight ourselves. And then on the other side, in this other silo is this fear of man. Uh, and, and like you were just referencing right there, um, what are they going to say to us in response? Uh, so, um, yeah. That's true. The first point is true, too. I mean, I think Christians are afraid of themselves sometimes, too, in, uh, you know, just wondering if they if they have all the answers. What if somebody asks me a question that I'm not going to be able to answer? Right. Um, that, that often keeps us from, from sharing the gospel, too. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk about your book, What is the Gospel? Because I have not seen a more clear or helpful uh, resource on sharing the gospel and uh, learning the gospel. And so... Um, I did want to talk with you about that. Can you tell us why you wrote the book? Yeah, well, it, uh, there are a couple of reasons for it. I was actually working on a different project um, at the time doing research for it. Um, that, that stuff eventually became uh, uh, what is the mission of the church. Okay. Um, but then about as I was working on all that, uh, the uh, uh, leaders of the organization that I was working for at the time said, hey, we want, we want a book on the gospel, um, just defining it as simply as possible. And at the same time, in my research for this other project, I was kind of realizing that uh, evangelicals were part of the reason we were having such a hard time agreeing on what the church is supposed to be doing is because we weren't at all agreed on what the message of the gospel was in the first place. Mm. So, uh, uh, you know, those two things just kind of, kind of synced up. They wanted the book. I was thinking about it already. And so, so there it came. And so we decided that what we were going to do is write a book that is not really evangelistic. You know, it's aimed at, uh, it's aimed at sort of people in the pew. That's the audience of the mm -hmm. book. Um, and it was meant to help, help Christians understand the gospel better though. It's really cool. I've, I've heard of people using it for evangelistic purposes, you know, in lots of different places, but really it's a kind of, uh, there's a lot in it. that's kind of a team meeting, you know, it's like, all right guys, let's sit down and talk about this as a team. So it really wasn't pitched for evangelism, but I'm glad people use it like that. Yeah, yeah, serving two purposes at, at, uh, at the same time. So I've heard you in another interview say that um, you want for Jesus' message to be clear and deeply rooted in your heart. Uh, you said that you think Jesus intended his church to understand his message. You said Christians need to be clear, crystal clear on Jesus' message so they can share it with others. So I agree with you, but it seems like part of the breakdown for the church, as I mentioned just a moment ago, is this lack of clarity on Jesus' message. Uh, so you use the four categories in the book to build a foundation of the gospel um, or, or the understanding of the our understanding of the gospel. So could you share with us what they are and why you chose to summarize the gospel the way that you did? Well, I've heard this summary of the gospel all my life, like you know, back since my, my teenage days. And so um, my, my approach was to go to the, the New Testament and, and see if, uh, if there was any sort of common content to the gospel in the preaching of Jesus and the early Christians. And what, what, I, what I came to was uh, that essentially when the early Christians and the apostles are preaching, through the book of Acts, in their letters, all the rest of it. 
they essentially answer, ask and answer four questions um, in different ways, right? In different words, but the answers to these, the questions are always there and the answers to the questions hmm. are always the same. So the, those four questions are, to whom are we accountable? Okay. And the answer is God, ultimately. Second, what's the problem that human beings face, ultimately, and that is sin. Uh, third, what is God's solution to that problem? Well, that's Jesus Christ and his whole, his whole life and, and death and resurrection, the whole thing. Um, and then uh, uh, the final one is, okay, if that's God's solution to the problem of sin, well, then how does that become good news for me? Like, how am I supposed to respond to that? And the Bible's answer to that is faith and repentance. So, you know, the little summary of those four points that, that I've heard all my life was, is God, man, Christ response or God, humanity, Christ response. Right. Um, which I think is a useful little shorthand for, for kind of remembering the content of the gospel. Um, but that's what the, uh, that's what the apostles, that's what the early Christians seem to preach over and over again. So, you know, what I kind of came to was that, that, that little summary that I've heard for so many years is actually a really faithful representation of what of what the uh, what the New Testament says the content of the gospel is. That's great. So you're counseling someone in your church um, who is uh, lacking an understanding of how to talk with someone about the gospel. Could you share with us in one to two minutes how you might frame a gospel conversation with someone? And I know there are a thousand different ways to approach this, and and depending on uh, things that you're picking up in a conversation from someone, um, but one to two minutes, how might you share the gospel with someone uh, that you meet on the street? Yeah, we, it's funny. We actually ask this question of everybody who joins Third Avenue in a membership interview. I always say, take, take a minute and a half, two minutes, minute and a half, and tell me what the gospel of Jesus is. So we put, we put every member of Third Avenue on the spot exactly like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think if you, to say it really simply, and it can be done, the gospel is not so complicated that it takes a dissertation. You, you start with, with God. You say, God created human beings. He created everything in the universe, including humans. And therefore, because he created us, we belong to him and we're accountable to him. Um, God intended for us to, as human beings, to play a certain role in his world. Um, we could talk about that in, at more length, but essentially we messed that role up as a, as a human race and as individuals, we messed it up. So where God intended us to steward his creation and rule it under his, his higher authority, we decided uh, to rebel against him. We decided that we didn't want to be his steward. We didn't want to be his sort of under, under shepherd, you know, under ruler. We wanted to have the big crown, sit mm -hmm. on the big throne. And so we rebelled against him. We joined, joined Satan in his rebellion against, against God. Um, Adam and Eve did that for us as a race, uh, but each and every one of us ratifies that decision through our, uh, through our own choices every day of our lives. Um, the result of that, because we rebelled against the source of our life, uh, is that, that we die spiritually. That's why the scripture says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And of course, you know, in time and in various ways, physical death follows along on that. And what we deserve because of our rebellion against, against God is eternal death mm -hmm. uh, in, in hell. Um, so God could have left us there, uh, but, and this is kind of where you transition from the bad news to the good news. In, mm -hmm. in his love, he sent, sent his son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Second person of the of the Trinity, the eternal, eternally begotten Son, sent His Son Jesus. Jesus became a man, um, uh, more than just putting on skin. Right, He became a human in, mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. uh, he is human, and lived the life that we ought to have lived right from the very beginning, uh, in perfect obedience to His Father. He died the death in our place as our substitute that we deserved, 
for our rebellion against God in the first place. And then he rose again from the dead. So that, you know, if we'll embrace him by faith, by trust, by reliance on him for salvation um, and turn away from our sin and follow him as king, uh, then, then we'll be saved, adopted into God's family, um, ultimately resurrected from the dead to live in a new heaven. Amen. So that's Thank how you. I would say it. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. I don't know if that was two minutes or not, but. <laughs> it's right there, right there. Uh, so you might hear the objection at Third Avenue in one of the interviews that you do for, for a new member. That sounds great, Greg, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. So, so what do you say to someone who, who objects saying that God has not gifted them in that way? What's the, what's the disconnect there? Well, it's that I think, I think there probably is a gift of evangelism. Um, meaning that somebody is really, really good at it and sure. it seems to bless them in an unusual way when they do it. Um, but to say, you know, I don't have the gift of evangelism and therefore I don't, I don't have to do evangelism. It's almost the equivalent of like saying, I don't have the gift of work and therefore I don't have to work. You know, well, <laughs> right. Fine. You may not have the gift of work, but you still, that's just part of what it means to be a human. Right? Sure. You gotta, you gotta work and support yourself. So yeah, you may not be gifted at it. You still gotta do it. Um, Evangelism is kind of the same way, only only happier, right? You may not have the gift of evangelism, but that's just what Christians do. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, you may not be particularly good at it, but still, sure, just, you need to do it. We, and it's the, it's the natural overflow of a of a heart that has been has been saved in one way or another, good or not. You're going to want to tell people, even if it's sort of just you know, base level kind of evangelism, just letting people know you're a Christian. So that the door's kind of open for them to ask questions. Right. That's great. And that's part of the component that I'm, I'm trying to get at here with the worship uh, as evangelism. And so, yeah, the natural overflow of what God has done for us in Christ. And, um, and so, yeah, we're going to naturally want to share that with others. So we talked earlier about being crystal clear on the message, but also this fear of man. How do you counsel people uh, who are scared to share this message with others? Or for you yourself, um, maybe do, does Greg Gilbert have some level of fear uh, in talking with someone on an airplane or, or someone you might meet on the street? Oh, sure. It's way, it's way more frightening to talk to somebody on an airplane or, you know, even a neighbor than it is to, to stand in, in a pulpit and preach to people. Mm. I mean, in a pulpit, they're all there because they want to be. You know, they all expect <laughs> to talk about Jesus. And so there's, there's nothing scary particularly about that at all. Um, there's no hill that you have to get over with a neighbor or a airplane or something like that. Yeah. It's terrifying because there's this, there's this hill of expectation that you got to get over. Mm -hmm. Nobody's sitting down on an airplane expecting to have a deep conversation about, about Jesus. Right. You got to get past that. It's hard. So, you know, what I do is, is try to lower that, try to lower that, that barrier of expectation a tiny little bit at a time. Right. So I, you know, uh, an easy thing for me to do. One of the very first things that is almost always going to come up in a conversation with somebody in small talk is, well, what do you do for a living? Right. And for me, it's easy. I just say, I'm an evangelical Baptist pastor. Well, you know, that's an invitation for people to start talking about Christian things then. And some right. people will cut the conversation off. Right. They'll put their headphones in and that's it. Um, other people will actually more than you would think will start engaging with that. Uh, and want to find out more about what that means. So, you know, maybe people aren't, aren't a pastor and you can't respond to that question. But a lot of times conversations will, will spin around to, 
what did you do this weekend? Or what do you plan to do this weekend? Or, you know, what, you know, what's going on in your life that's fun? And I would say Christians ought to just, just throw Jesus on the table, right? Let it be known that you're a Christian. So if a coworker asks what you did this weekend, don't just talk about the baseball game you went to or the kids events or whatever. Tell them you went to church, mm. you know, tell them that you went to church and it was a super encouraging experience and you wouldn't believe how you know wonderful it is to be with those people that I love so much and talk about that and just put it on the table. Um, nobody's going to accuse you of being bigoted for talking about how you enjoyed you know, being, being with your Christian friends. They're just not. Right. So talk about that. And I think you'll find more people than you may expect being willing to kind of uh, grab onto that invitation to talk and take advantage of it. That's so helpful. Yeah. I think St. Francis of Assisi is credited with saying, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Paul told the church in Rome, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Um, is it enough for us to just live good lives and expect that people will come to know Jesus by the example that we live? No, not at all. I, I mean, you know, what you want is for your life to adorn the gospel that you preach. Mm. But I, you know, I mean, we all want the story. We all want to live the experience of the person coming up to us and saying, you are such a kind and wonderful and joyful person. Would you please tell me about this Jesus that has made you such an awesome person? Mm. Um, that almost never happens, right? right? A, because we're not awesome. And, you know, B, because people just don't think in that way. Yeah. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you've got to be a person who speaks. You've got to be a person who, who talks about the truth of the gospel. So the, the little famous line from Francis of Assisi, even if he said it, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. It's nonsense. Yeah. It's just absolute nonsense. Uh, you cannot preach without words, and there is no gospel without words. Right. Uh, gospel means news, and there is no news without words. Right. Um, not to say your life is unimportant, but the, the, the life and the deeds need to confirm, affirm, and uh, adorn the gospel that we preach. But they, they, they can't be a substitute for it. Greg, any other thoughts uh, from someone who, um, for someone who is interested in wading out into evangelism, but doesn't know how to begin with someone. So what, what are some basic tips? I know you mentioned earlier putting Jesus on the table and that's so good, but any other words of encouragement for someone who is scared to death? Yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've found a, a useful way to, uh, to do this is that once you get into a, once you kind of broach the religious barrier, right. And you're talking about, you're talking about spiritual things. Um, one of the, one of the best ways to proceed from there is just to invite people uh, into a, 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 a sort of time-limited education period about Christianity, okay. right? So just say, hey, look, you seem interested in spiritual things. Have you ever thought about Christianity? Why don't we take four weeks, six weeks, you know, time-limited and uh, read through a book of the Bible together and talk about it or read through, you know, what is the gospel? Read through, read through that or read through another book that you found useful. Um, and it's a, it's a sort of non-threatening thing because all you're doing is offering to help that person understand what, you know, millions and millions of people around the world believe as Christians. Okay. Um, and that, that can be a sort of non-threatening way to say, hey, let's learn more about this. And what you'll find as you start, you know, presenting that truth to them is that the Holy Spirit will often use that truth to, to break into a stony heart um, more than you think, more than you think is uh, going to happen. 
Greg, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks again to Greg for taking time out of his schedule to talk with us about evangelism. Head on over to reclamationworship.com where you can read Greg's bio. And I'll also, again, have a link there for What is the Gospel? And I'll also link to some of Greg's other books. So in the not-too-distant future, you will be hearing from John Anwu Chekwa. We're going to be talking about corporate prayer. Also coming up is JT English, Jen Wilkin, and Ray Rhodes.